0: Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the Ruby. Welcome to Hillsborough Village. Welcome to Ethos. Welcome to Nashville. Welcome to the USA. Um, happy 4th. Hope you had a great week. Um, man, so glad you guys are here. If you're new here, I hope you found yourself feeling uh, warmly welcomed this morning. And if you've been here, welcome back. Um, we're right in the middle of, nope, we're right at the end of our series, Back to Basics. We're in week I think 17, yeah, 17, of our 18-week series, which is so crazy, and if you're new here, better late than never, all right? Uh, Let me me do my best to just recap an 18-week long series in like one minute, but we've been doing this series called Back to Basics, and what we've been doing is taking basic Christian practices and asking two questions about each practice, all right? The first question being, why? All right, so let's give an example. The first practice we talked about was the basic Christian practice of prayer, right? So a lot of us go, man, we know that Christians pray. Um, Christians, like we know that we're supposed to pray. But sometimes it's helpful when you're so familiar with something to re-remember, hey, why? Why do we believe that? Like, what does scripture say? What do we think's happening when we like just talk to God and when he speaks with us? And, but we don't, we don't leave it in the why, Right, we don't, we don't just leave it at the, the question of why and, and just getting a logical reasoning. Um, we believe that the abundant life in Jesus is abundant when we participate in it, when we actually put it to practice. So we take the second week and we go, how do we do this? And we get very practical. Right, We talk about, hey, here's, some like, here's something to think about as you physically posture yourself in the position of prayer. Uh, here's something to consider when you put yourself in an environment of prayer. Here's some different methods. Here's some different ways that you can talk with God and listen to God. So um, the aim of this series is not just to like, have professional knowledge transferers, but to actually be participants, because when we participate in what Jesus has called us into, that's when we get to experience the abundant life, right? This is what the story is in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says, hey, um, there's two people, and both hear me say things, Um, The foolish one hears me say something and then goes away as if I never said anything. The wise man, he hears me say something and puts it into practice. Then he gives us that image. The foolish man is the one who builds his house on sand. The guy that just hears me say something and then walks away as if nothing was said. That house is on sand. So when the storms of life come, it falls. But the wise man who puts my words into practice, he built his house on the rock. So when the questions and the storms and the unpredictable things of life come our way, that is a solid foundation that we can stand on. So that's the heart of this series, that we wouldn't just be a church that knows that knows a lot about scripture, that knows a lot about what Jesus said and did, but that actually participates in the things that Jesus said and did. And on these weeks where we talk about how, we get very participation heavy because I went to this event where I was learning, it's kind of like the inception of training. I was learning how to train trainers in church planning, all right? And I saw this poster and I'll never forget it. And if you've been here with us, I talk about this like every week. And it says, hey, you remember 20% of what someone says to you. That's the stat. If you just hear me say something. So a lot of church can often operate in that percentage, right? Now we have the Holy Spirit, so hopefully he bumps up that retaining by a lot. Um, but I just went, whoa, that's, that's not very high. But it, as it kept going, it listed out a bunch of stats and then it went, you remember 70% of what you discuss with other people. 80% of what you actually personally experience and 90% of what you, teach some, what you teach someone. It's like, whoa. So I just started brainstorming. Like, What does it look like to be a church that at least can get up to that 70% where we talk with one another? And so on the how weeks, which is this week, um, we're talking about how in discipleship, we circle up and we get in groups of three to five people and we actually like talk together. Now, if you're new here, I'm sorry to have put you in maybe potentially a weird situation, but I think it's gonna be okay. So in just a few moments, we're gonna circle up in groups of three to five, but before we do that, I wanna lay some ground rules, all right? Um, First ground rule is that you don't have to do it, okay? So if you feel awkward or weird, um, no one's gonna be like, no, come on, no, come on. Come on, be in our group. You know, it's not gonna happen. It's cool. If you just wanna like sit there, that's dope. Just look down, act like nothing's happening, all right? Because the questions that I'm gonna ask, you can think on on your own. That'd be totally okay. That's accepted, all right? Um, uh, Second ground rule, if you do choose to be brave and get in a group, um, we're gonna be a safe space for you, all right? So no one is uh, coming in with the mindset of like apologetics 101, where it's their job to convince you of what's right and if you said something that was wrong, all right? We're not gonna do that. So this is a safe spot to go, you know, I don't know or pass, or I might say something wrong, <laughs> like uh, that's, that's cool, like that's, we're messy people, so let's just be honest, all right, and also it's a safe space to be brave and like be excited and just say whatever's going on, okay, so that's the second thing, is there a third thing? You know what, I don't remember, but we are gonna circle up, um, oh, the third thing is that number three to five, is that, Cody, way to go, You you just know it so well. Um, In groups of three to five, so uh, we wanna do a little bit more than two to get like a little group vibe going, but also less than six. So five is the top number because once it gets too many, it takes forever. Not everyone gets to share. And the whole point of this is that you get to listen and share. Okay, so you ready? Take a cliff jump moment. Here we come. All right, we're gonna circle up into groups of three to five. Don't worry about making a mess. Watch for coffee on the ground. So worry about that, but otherwise... Move your chairs around. If you're around people that you don't know, that's totally okay. Introduce yourself. But literally, we are circling up chairs, all right? So you don't have to do the awkward, like, neck break thing, you know? So circle up chairs. If you see someone you don't know, introduce yourself. We're going to talk for one minute, and then I'm going to bring us back because we're going to talk all day long. So introduce yourselves briefly. Hey, how was your week? How are you? Oh, my gosh, I love that outfit. Get it out of the way. All right, let's bring it to the front because we're gonna talk, we're gonna talk a lot today. I'm gonna keep making you guys talk to each other, so don't wear it out. Bring it to the front. Here we go, all right. So let me, uh, let me recap, or for some of us, let me just say really quickly what we talked about last week, all right? So for our last basic, we, we are talking about uh, discipleship. And so last week, we introduced the why of discipleship, all right, and so um, I wanna remind us of the definition we used, okay? So we said that a disciple, because that's a vague word, right? It feels specific, but actually, what is it? A disciple is someone who is following Jesus, being transformed by Jesus, all right? That's key, right? Like their lives are actively changing with Jesus and is committed to the ways, the words, and the works of Jesus. And discipleship is just you inviting someone else to go along with you as you do that and helping someone else take part in this process, following Jesus, being transformed by Jesus, being committed to his ways, his words, and his works. If you weren't here and you want more than that on the why of discipleship, listen to the podcast. It's Ethos Church. It's, it's online, okay? Um, so there we go. Um, before I get into like the kind of the logistics of discipleship, I wanna remind us of some things that I said last week. In discipleship, you never replicate who you wish you were, all right? You always repli- replicate who you actually are, Okay, does that make sense? Humans, we're intuitive. And so if we go, man, I'm not really like following God, but I I guess it's like my obligation to help someone else, it won't work that way. It starts with you, right? So that's why in this series, Back to Basics, we have said, hey, let's talk about what it looks like for you and maybe your community to engage in prayer, in reading scripture, in worship in confession and repentance, in sabbath, in serving, in community, and now in discipleship. So we've started from the inside out, right? The great commands of Jesus are love God with all your heart, soul and mind, love your neighbor as yourself. So we've honed in there. Now we're getting now we're transitioning from the great commands of Jesus to the great commission of Jesus, where he goes, "Go and make disciples. What I've done to you, go and do it to the world." So that's where we're currently at, okay? And as we get started, I want us to all just like know where we're all coming from. And so, in your groups, share briefly what was your understanding or perception of discipleship growing up, all right? Now, I didn't just ask, what's the correct way to talk about discipleship? I asked, what's your perception or understanding of discipleship as you grew up? So, just share honestly, when that word got said, what did you think was being talked about? What did you see happen in your context? So, just break that down. What was discipleship to you growing up? What did that mean? What did it look like? go for it. All right. Um, Man, thank you guys. I know that some of you haven't even been here before, so you're doing something that may may be normal. I don't know your church experience, but this may be completely different. So thanks for buying in. I know it's a lot to ask, um, so I appreciate um, you going for it. So um, let's get practical. Let's talk about what discipleship looks like. Um, And I want to remind us, this this is a participation conversation not a spectator conversation. So if the teaching doesn't feel exciting or you're not sold, this, this only bears fruit when you're doing it, all right? So um, today we're gonna list some things, but it's when you actually do them. When you follow Jesus and disciple someone that you get to experience why this is just unbelievable and incredible, okay? So um, I, wanna just, I just wanna break down um, some really simple questions. And look, I'm not about to like cover how to do discipleship perfectly, okay? So please don't put that expectation on me. I will not meet it ever, but um, I will ask you to take notes. I think some of this stuff might be really helpful. If you've got a phone or a pen and paper, if anything's helpful, or if you go, I don't wanna take notes, but I want all the notes, let me know after. I'll email you everything, all right? Um, Cool, whatever it looks like to be engaged. So let's answer the question of who, all right? That's the first question we're gonna talk about. So when we're talking about discipleship, Who are we discipling, right? Who is that person in our life? You might go, man, I'm in, I'm sold. I want a disciple, but I don't know like who to start with, okay? Um, One tension that I have felt in the past is the tension of, is this person a believer or not? And um, I want to just note something real quick. I grew up where discipleship and evangelism were two totally different things, okay? Um, But evangelism is like when you're sharing the gospel to someone that doesn't know it. Right? It's like Paul going to Corinth and preaching the gospel. Right? But I wanna say that I believe evangelism actually belongs under the umbrella of discipleship. I think there's been an unhealthy separation of discipleship and evangelism in the sense that discipleship can happen with people that don't believe in Jesus yet. Um, There's a whole spectrum. So I don't think we need to go into this with the understanding that I only disciple people that actively believe and follow Jesus as their savior. I don't think that's true. I've actually, in my own experience, had discipled multiple people uh, that don't believe in Jesus. And I didn't do it in like a sneaky ninja way. They knew what I was doing, you know, like out to lunch, they're eating. I'm like, you know where the bread of life comes from? (laughs) Not like that, right? Like they knew what was going on. But um, so the believer, non-believer tension, I don't think is one, okay? Um, I think that it's really just whoever is open and interested in learning more about Jesus, that is is a good candidate for discipleship, okay? Um, So uh, some examples, I mean, John chapter three, uh, Nicodemus, this religious man who, he and his like religious group was pretty turned off to Jesus. So he sneaks away into the night and asks questions. And for a, a lot of Jesus's ministry, the Pharisees were in opposition to him. But Nicodemus, a Pharisee, approaches him in secret, and Jesus is open to that. They have a conversation. It, that's when John 3, 16 gets said, when Nicodemus is talking to Jesus, right? Uh, think about the woman in Samaria, uh, the Samaritan woman that Jesus talks to. Culturally, that, that conversation didn't make sense, but Jesus sees an open heart, and then she goes and evangelizes her whole town, or disciples, her whole town, because we're, we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> All right, uh, Luke chapter 23, criminal on the cross, like just uh, reaching out to Jesus. Jesus is open to that. Jesus calls his disciples, the 12, like these are guys that failed divinity school. Uh, it wasn't like they had some like shiny resume. They were just open to following him, like to giving their lives to him. So um, Luke chapter 10, Jesus is gonna send out people to go and, and declare the kingdom of God And at this point, no one had heard of it, right? And so Jesus gives them the simplest uh, strategy. Go knock on doors, let them know what's up, and whoever receives you, stay there. And I think that's a good word for discipleship. You disciple someone who receives it. Like, who's open to it? That can be anybody, but it's someone who goes, I'm open to learning more, actively engaging with the words, ways, and works of Jesus. I may not believe in them yet, or I may, but I'm open to it, right? So Jesus says, stay where you're welcomed. That's a good word for discipleship, okay? Um, Within that, obviously, there's an action step for us to go and knock, right? To go metaphorically knock, maybe even literally if you're a door-to-door person. So um, uh, yeah, hold on. Um, Oh, no matter who it is, uh, I would have the expectation of just walking in real and deep friendship with them. Um, like you're not a salesman and this is not a project. Um, you're a disciple. And with the image of God going to other image bearers, introducing them to Jesus. And so um, I think the important part is that the who, believer, non-believer, it can be a lot of different things, but it's someone that you plan on being real with, like real friends with, loving them, like walking in deep relationship with them. Um, you don't have to force this, right? Uh, right in line with Luke 10 is this story in Mark chapter 10. There's the story of the rich young ruler he shows up and goes, Jesus, what do I need to do to get eternal life? And Jesus tells him, he goes, man, let go of everything else and just like give your life to me, follow me. Like literally right now, start it. And he walks away sad and Jesus doesn't go, but wait, but wait, please, please, please. And so if you're the kind of person that lives with this pressure to convince the person to be in, Right, Like there's a fine line between sharing with someone and trying to like force them in. Like that pressure's not on you, right? They get a choice in this too. And so I think it's just important that we understand that as we um, are praying and discerning. Um, It is so important as we're thinking about who to pray and discern this. Like God cares about this. It's his commission and he is in you. And the Holy Spirit is, we said this a lot through this series, is called, there's two things that he's nicknamed. Do you remember helper, the spirit of truth and the helper. Let the Holy Spirit do his job. He wants to help you. So pray about the who. Like, think about it, pray about it. God will help you with this, okay? Um, And then also pray about when it's time to go from implicit to, like, explicit. Because I do think in discipleship, there needs to be a moment where you go, hey, I want to make this intentional. Like, I I want this to be explicit. There's gonna be some people that you're like, we're probably not ready to, like, go really intense and, like, have an explicit discipleship friendship and I'm just walking with them and loving them and spending a lot of time with them. But there's gonna be people that you need to have that conversation with. Like, hey, I see that you're interested in the ways of Jesus. I really want, let's, let's talk intentionally. Just be aware that whenever we hang out, I wanna like be pouring into you. That's gonna happen. So I think it's helpful so you don't stay in like the sneaky pseudo-whatever thing forever. Okay, that's like a weird place to be when you're like, he kind of knows I'm Christian, but I'm like just dropping like clever verses at the right time. Okay, um, do you guys know what the tension I'm talking about is? Like, it's okay to say, hey, I wanna do this with you. Like, I've even I've done this with people that don't believe in Jesus and they were in and it was awesome. Okay, anyway. <clears throat> um, oh, I have it in my notes to say, is there any questions before I just keep going? So, and to be quiet and listen. So, any questions on the who? Any amens? So, that was so dumb. Um, any applause? Any standing ovations out there? No, stop. No, 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 no. That. Nope. All right. Moving forward. Lord, forgive. Um, all right. So, uh, moving from the who to the where. Okay. So, if you ever thought about, hey, where does discipleship happen? Is it always at one p.m. on Thursday at a coffee shop? And I just want to free you from that paradigm. No. It is not always that way, all right? Um, Each of us are individuals created with different gifts, different personalities. So a lot of this is gonna be, as you go and try things, you'll kind of learn where your strengths are, all right? But I wanna show, um, this may be a model you don't relate to, but this was my experience growing up. So this is how discipleship worked, all right? Step one, get the person in church so the person who says the sermon um, can say what they need to say so I don't have to say it. You know, because I'm not going to say it good anyway. Like, so this is what the preacher do. It. Like that's, that's step one. And if they come to believe in Jesus, perfect. Let's get you in a small group. Okay. So you can kind of get used to how we do things here and how we talk and, and the language we use and all that stuff. And if that goes well, we might be friends. For real, we might actually end up being friends together. That'd be cool, all right? Um, that's, that's, that was my experience. Did anyone else have the, hey, just get them to church. Hopefully they, it works out and then get them in a small group. If you, can you raise your hand for real if you've had that experience? Yeah, that's kind of what it was like at the nine, like 60%, 70%. But um, that's kind of the old model. But that's, that can work, but there's a little too much spectator in that. Like just get them somewhere and hope something happens, right? I believe it's much more involved as disciples of Jesus, okay? So this is uh, a kind of a tool and image that helps me All right, so there's gonna be ebbs and flows and seasons for all of this. But if you are a disciple of Jesus, and just so you know, you are called to make more disciples. And I'll say that this will take place in all the spheres and it will look different in different seasons. It's not a bad thing if someone that you're discipling only gets to see you on Sundays because that's just the season of life that you guys are in. That's okay. But I would say, uh, especially in our culture now, places of community and that one-on-one time is just special special and it's potent, and it's powerful. Um, I've just seen that be true in my own life, that, that church is amazing, but there's a perception of church. There's a baggage with church right now, and I'm not saying don't invite people to church. I'm trying to get everybody in the ruby. You know, I'm, I'm trying to ask them to have to build a bigger building for us, you know, so I invite them for sure, but if you're not ready to invite them into, like, your community or to give them, like, your personal time, I think I think you're selling discipleship short and you're kind of missing it. Um, discipleship is powerful when someone's invited all the way in to your life. I've seen this be true in, in my life, like when guys that would take time to like get to know me with their families, with their, as they run errands, it's been powerful, okay? And discipleship happens as you go. For me, uh, if I think about this, this tool, I grew up very comfortable with the corporate and the community only if the community was a designated small group right? Not like a hang, just like a seven o'clock Bible study. That was where I was the most comfortable. And so the thought of discipling someone, that's what it meant, Bible study, church. Um, But as I moved to Nashville, I got to meet uh, my friend Dave who discipled me and he just kind of shifted my paradigm. He showed me that discipleship, it will involve some addition to your schedule just naturally, but a lot of discipleship is just as you go. So like, if you have like a movie night or some kind of thing you do every week with a friend group, it's inviting that person in on that. If you have a Thursday night dinner with your family, invite them over. Like, if you gotta run an errand, run an errand. I've taken my guys on errands and they at least acted like they had a good time. And it was convenient because, hey, I gotta do some stuff, but let's hang. Like, let me just invite you all in on my life. Like, even watching me grocery shop, there may be some benefit there. I doubt it, but what if, right? <laughs> hope there's a moment where I can like, I don't know. Anyway, I'm not going to get into fake scenarios. So, um, this has been powerful. An example of this, when, when I was being discipled by Dave, and I still am to this day, but I remember uh, he was helping disciple me as a teacher, um, and you can tell he failed, <laughs> um, but he was trying to. And, uh, and uh, I remember he, I had the, all these teaching notes that he had asked me to come up with, and we had to go to the mall because he had to get a tux because he was doing a wedding. And he said, All right, let's go inside, and I hop out, and he goes, Hey, bring your binder. I'm like, What? He said, yeah, bring the binder, bring it with you. And so I bring the binder with me, and here's Dorky 21-year-old me with a white Office Max binder and my teaching notes in the middle of like a tuxedo shop. I don't know what it was called or if they referred to as tuxedo shops, but I'm in a fancy place with a stupid binder, and he's asking me questions about my sermon prep. And right in the middle of it. And I was like, gosh, this is weird and awkward, and I'm sweaty because I'm nervous and whatever it was weird. However, he, like any good discipler does, he did something and then he explained it to me. So we got in the car and he went, you know, Jesus didn't just like disciple at 6 p.m. in the synagogue, right? His disciples were always with him. As they went, he was teaching them things. He asked Peter, Peter, I know what everyone else is saying. Who do you say I am? As they were walking in a city. So it's as you go. And I would invite you to like consider, man, what does discipleship look like as I go? to fully integrate people into my life, okay? So I believe, like, this is a tool I call belonging spaces. So the belonging spaces for someone that you're trying to disciple and walk with is all of them, right? And give yourself permission to have an ebb and flow. Like right now, I'm just, I'm inviting to community stuff, but I don't have a lot of flexibility in my one-on-one. That's cool, but just discern it, try it, okay? Does that make sense? Any other questions with that? I have to remind myself to Pause. I'm the guy that goes, any other questions? Okay, here we go. Um, but all right, so um, let's do a group question real quick. In your experience with discipleship, identify which one of these spaces or two or three, whatever, that are you most comfortable with and what are you most uncomfortable with? All right, all right, I'm gonna invite you back in. Um, hey, if at any point I interrupt really meaningful conversation, A, I'm, I'm sorry that I interrupted meaningful conversation and, be carried on at lunch. You know, what what would happen? That'd be crazy. Um, All right. Um, So uh, we've answered the question of of who and where, and now I want to get into the what. All right. This is like the, to me, it's like the burning question of, okay, look, I'm in. I got someone I want to do this with. I'm down for the belonging spaces, doing it all in, in all the spaces. But what are we actually doing? Like, what am I talking about? What does it look like? And the cool thing is, I'm not about to, well, if you're new here, I'm gonna show you something new. But if you've been with us, I'm about to show you something that we've already covered, right? That's the hope of this series, that we've already done things on the individual level, and so discipleship is handing it off, right? So uh, I wanna remind us of this little shape here. A lot of shapes today, hope you're enjoying them. This shape is used to talk about the three primary relationships that Jesus was invested in. So the first one, the up, is loving God. So just a quick recap, Mark chapter one, before Jesus does his ministry, he's baptized. The father says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Before Jesus does anything, he's pleased. Then Jesus goes away. He prays and he fasts for 40 days. It's out of that, that he comes in and moves into that end, that love people, right? So after he spends time with the father, oh, also quick little pop quiz, Luke 5, 16. Who can remember what Luke five sixteen says? says? Anybody? Jesus often Withdrew, yeah, to desolate places to be with the Father. That's the up, right? Being with God. In is loving people. Uh, That's that community that's committed to following Jesus. Believers, non-believers alike, but it's just Jesus going, hey, follow me. So he comes back off of prayer and fasting and starts calling disciples and then spends three years of his ministry walking with disciples very intentionally, right? He did this overtly. It was obvious, okay? Um, And then the outlife is that bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth in Matthew 6 where Jesus tells us how to pray. He says, hey, when you pray, pray like this. And then one of the things he says is, hey, your will be done on earth as it is in where? Heaven. So that outline, that awaken a movement, also that's Ethos's mission statement, love God, love people, awaken a movement. That awaken a movement is, help me bring the realities of heaven to earth. And then it's helping someone else do the same thing. We're about to break it all down, okay? All right, so let's start with uh, the up life, okay? So um, we talked about this in community. We've already shown this whole tool, um, but it applies in discipleship so well. This, what I'm about to walk us through, really shapes how I disciple people. It's always in the back of my mind, right? It's so helpful. So let's talk first about what it looks like to help someone else love God as we're trying to love God. So relationship with God, we break it down into the private life, the inner closet that Jesus talks about in Matthew six, when no one's looking. And then also the public life. And when I say public, I don't mean like right here in front of a lot of people. I just mean not in private. So anytime you're with someone else, you've entered the public sphere. Okay. So let's talk about private. So the private life, the inner closet is helping someone pray. It's walking with someone and helping them read scripture. It's helping them worship. It's helping them confess their sins to God and repent. It's helping them Sabbath, okay? And I'm gonna give us some really simple questions because I think that's all it takes, all right? Um, or at least a lot of what it takes. So it's when you're with someone, finding moments to go, man, where have you been hearing from God? God wants to speak. His Holy Spirit's real. He's communicating. What have you been hearing? Where'd you see God? Where's a place you've seen God move this week? It's not a shameful thing. Someone goes, nowhere, okay. Have you taken time to like be with him? Like talk with him? Okay, well, keep asking God. God, help me, give me eyes, give me ears. Boom, that, that is discipleship. That's helping someone pray to God. <laughs> it's like, have you seen God? Have you heard God? How's time with God? Look, oh, here's something I've done. Here's something I've done and it was terrible. So if it was terrible for you, I get it. If it was great, awesome. You know, it's just talking through it. Um, man, how's time in the word been? What'd you read this week? Were you challenged by anything? Did God speak through something? Did he encourage you in something? What was that like? What are you wrestling with? Right, and so if the person goes, "I haven't read at all," great. What can you start reading this week? I can help you. You know, that's discipleship. Just asking the question. When people are discipling me and they ask me those questions, it's never shameful, but it does imply that oh, I should be doing that. That's a helpful thing to do. Like it helps me know the heart of God. Um, same thing with worship. Man, how's worship been? In what ways are you worshiping God when you're alone? Worship is so big. It's so, it's just saucy. It's so beautiful with the Lord and helping people cultivate it. Worshiping God in the private spheres of my life was something I never really explored growing up. It wasn't really talked about with me. It was prayer and Bible, prayer, Bible, prayer, Bible, prayer, Bible, <laughs> like in, in the kind of prayers, like, okay, I gotta pray for this, pray for this, pray for this, and then I gotta read, okay, good, I did it. And worship is where like, we just did, we get to experience a special form of intimacy with God. We get to declare his praise. And so helping people do that, right? Exploring that, okay? Um, all right, in the public sphere, this is doing some of these things together. It's, it's, if it's every week, you're doing it all the time, or if it's occasionally breaking down the word together. Uh, I got a guy that I'm walking with right now, and we're going through the book of James together. So when we're together right now, we're talking about, hey, what'd you read? How far'd you get? Let's talk about it. He's going way faster than I am. But you know what? I'm letting it go deeper in my heart. I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, <laughs> when we get together and we talk about, that's a, that was a real joke. I'm just kidding. It's been an amazing conversation. It's, we love you. So we've been going through James together and it's been really good. And then um, it's also taking time to pray together. Guys, I think that praying together is just the most overlooked thing. And it's the easiest, most most free, requires very little. Being together and just going, how can I pray for you? It's like, hey, look, we just shot basketball for the last hour or we just ran this air, but before you get out of the car, how can I pray for you? Guys, that is an insane resource. The Holy Spirit in us, will minister to us and to them. How can I pray with you? And they go, I don't really know. Okay, let's just pray. Amazing thing. It's doing that together out loud. I just, that shifts my life. Some of the strongest words to me have been given to me when someone just decided to just pray for me. And they said, hey, I feel like I'm seeing something here. And it just like, anyway, tears. Um, So um, pray with each other. Um, Worship together. The one-on-one, this might be weird. So I honestly can say I've never one-on-one like broke out a guitar. I can't play guitar, but I never had anyone else break out a guitar or like played worship over a Bluetooth and just sung with one other person. So that may be more in communal that you do that, like with more people. Um, But anyway, explore that. And then lastly, confess and repent together. Make it a normal, it should be the most normal thing. Not shameful, not weird. It should be a normal thing for us to go, man, is there any part of your heart where you feel tempted? Is there any part where you're falling short? and you know it, and it's hard. Like, man, what's going on in your heart? Is there any fear or anxiety? Is there any place where, like, gossip is just gripping you? Um, Is there a place where you're just being full of greed? Like, you just can't ever get enough. Let's dig in there. It's not a shameful thing. Let's talk about it. Darkness cannot exist in light. Confession and repentance brings light to darkness, all right? And so us regularly going, hey, there's a real enemy that Scripture says has three primary things. He wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's worth talking about. Okay. And so confession and repentance out loud going, Hey, is there anything you need to confess? Man, let's talk about how we can get freedom there. I'm going to walk with you. It's all good. I've been there, you know? So anyway, confession and repentance in the public. Okay. All right. Um, Any questions there? We feel clear. Okay. Just let me know. Um, All right. The in life play and purpose. If you remember this in the community conversation, this is a conversation about balance. It's knowing how to have fun and knowing how to explore faith, all right? Um, I've just, I'm a big believer that if you can't laugh with somebody, if you can't be goofy, if you can't go and enjoy something with someone, you can only go so deep. So I'm a big believer in if all you're doing is one o'clock coffee on Thursdays, I, that is not a bad thing. I'm not at all like saying that's lame. That's a good thing, right? But if you're not doing fun things together, I don't think you can go as deep. Like at least maybe it's my personality. I don't know. But if I can't like laugh with you and be stupid with you, I I'm not gonna be just ultra vulnerable with you, you know? And so I think playing together, having fun, doing things that bring life together helps us be vulnerable with one another and being vulnerable helps us go deeper with God. Does that make sense? So play with one another, right? That sounds like so elementary. (laughs) Go to recess together, Um, but uh, make sure you have fun together. Um, And then purpose. That just reminds us to keep exploring faith. So if you find that the friendship is just leaning toward we only ever have fun together, you're probably not in a discipleship relationship right? So that just reminds us, hey, but explore what we just talked about in the up life, what we're about to talk about in the out life, like help each other cultivate hearts that look like Jesus, okay? So um, moving forward to the out, all right? The words demonstrate and declare. This is what we're talking about, helping each other, first in the demonstrate, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, right? To, to, To love and to serve people, and inviting them in on it. So like if you're trying to get to know your neighbors, you're inviting them over for dinner, invite your your person, whoever your disciple, invite them over, have them come see it. If you're plugged into a nonprofit or an elementary school that you're just wanting to pour into and volunteer at, invite them to come with you. The things that you're doing to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to go and demonstrate the goodness of God to the world, invite that person with you. That speaks volumes, right? It's a powerful thing. And then also with the declare, right? This is where we learn how to speak, to testify to the good things that God does, but it's also how we help disciples be disciple makers. All right, We don't just wanna be disciples. We wanna be disciples that make disciples. And so it's helping other people. Like if I'm discipling someone, eventually and pretty quick, I want them discipling somebody else. And so that's what I think about when I think about Declare in the Outlife is going, how do I help you begin doing this with somebody else? Um, Because the more people that are doing this, the more people that are getting to know Jesus. That is amazing news, just low-key why we exist. So it's a big deal. Um, All right, so that is the what. and I wanna also, it's so easy to go, hey, that's what you do, so go do it. Great. Um, but there's a lot of tensions that come with this, right? Like all of you right now are either ignoring me or feeling tensions. <laughs> like that's probably the only two options at this point. Even if you're embracing it, you're like, yeah, it's not that easy, you know? And so let's talk about some tensions that I, was just, that I felt and you'll probably have more. But um, man, the pressure of making it feel organic versus just super structured. Our best friends do not feel scheduled. Right? They feel spontaneous. Like You're just with them. Like it's just Thursday night, why are you hanging out? Because it's Thursday night, that's why we're together. You know. So it's not super structured, but it's always, I just want you to hear this, it's always gonna be easier to organically bring up Stranger Things or the Kardashians or the NBA draft. Like it's just always gonna be easier. And so we need to embrace on the front end that having these conversations might feel awkward for a time, but there will be a day, I promise you, I promise you there'll be a day where it will not feel awkward any longer. It will feel organic. And I actually don't think it takes that long but just be aware that there will be some tension about it being feeling like normal, but new normals are new, right? And so you're gonna feel that a little bit. Don't let that deter you, it's normal. Um, There's some friendships that I have right now that we regularly just, we chop it up and talk about the Lord big time. It did not start out that easy, but we made it normal, right? So work toward that. That's a tension you're gonna feel, don't let it deter you, all right? Another tension is like, hey, how often am I doing this? Is like a once a week thing. Is it a three times a week thing? Like how often is this going on? And I would say, man, just pay attention to the ebb and flow of your life. There may be seasons where this is like three or four days a week you're seeing this person, and you're friends, so you're just hanging out, you maybe just having fun, but you're seeing each other regularly. But I've definitely had seasons where I don't see some people that I'm really intentionally trying to disciple for like a month or two. Don't let that deter you. That's fine. Just. Get back together, link back up, right? So um, don't feel the pressure of, I gotta do this every week or I'm failing. Anything that triggers I'm failing in our brains, most of those things are probably not true. They're probably just trying to hinder you, right? That's the enemy, like steal, steal kill, destroy. Prevent you from displaying the goodness of God. So most of the time, I think when we think we're failing, we're not, we're human and there's just room to, to grow and explore. Okay, so another tension that you will, um, hold on, hold on, actually, There's something, oh, I do it later. Okay, there's something I wanted to say. I didn't wanna skip it. Um, Another tension you're gonna feel is the why not question. So we talked about why, but you're always gonna have a million reasons why not to, right? There's always a lot of good reasons why you're not capable or qualified to do this. If you'll remember uh, the scriptures that we showed last week, um, I wanna hit a couple of these stories again. So like the story of Abraham and Sarah, God promised descendants. They were far too old for that promise to be fulfilled. (laughs) Like, that looked like no way. In fact, they laughed at first at the promise of God. Like, they had a really significant why not, like why this isn't for them, like that God was wrong, right? Um, Moses, his response to God showing up in a burning bush that wasn't actually burning and commanding him to go deliver the Israelites was, yeah, but I stutter." I have a stuttering problem. <laughs> like that was his answer. He was like, I'm just, if you're looking for a public speaker to go and eloquently demand Pharaoh to release the Israelites, he's probably not even gonna understand what I'm saying because I stutter I, I, I so much. <laughs> that was the Holy Spirit. That's what Moses said and he didn't say it right. He stuttered, right? And so, um, like, Moses had a good reason. He was like, I can't even public speak. You missed me from the jump with this command to go and talk to Pharaoh, right? Uh, Rahab, with the story of Joshua, like, she had everything to lose and not a lot to gain as she helped Israelites, like, spy on her country, right? If you remember that story podcast. Uh, David, this small shepherd boy, like, this guy had been told he was too small, too short his whole life. That's why he was a shepherd boy, and his brothers were soldiers, right? And God, calls him, positions him the whole fight with Goliath. Slingshot. Um, Nehemiah, he's called to build the temple of Jerusalem back. All he does is face resistance the whole time. He feels opposition the entire time. Catch this, as he's being obedient to God. He's right in the thick of the will of God and all he feels is resistance, right? He had reasons not to. Jonah, he was above it. That was his why not. He was called to the Ninevites and the Ninevites were far too wicked. He goes, not them, literally anybody but them. They've outrun your grace, right? And then eventually the whole whale swallows three days, spit back up, he goes to Ninevites and the Ninevites repent, right? So he had a reason why not to do it. And then thinking about the disciples. These guys, I mean, they were just guys that failed divinity school. They were not like shiny resumes. Jesus calls fishermen and zealots and and probably like social weirdos to follow him. Like zealots were weird. They were really amped up in their day about like overturning the government anyway he calls people um, not because they're good enough, but because they're his. Like he's in them, the Holy Spirit, the helper, right? It's like, he doesn't, what is it? He doesn't like call the call, equip. He equips the call, that phrase. It's like that's cheesy and so true. He doesn't call you because you got it, because you got the, that if I can't do it perfect, I can't do it at all. Nothing ever gets done that way, all right? Society does not advance with the narrative of, if I can't do it perfect, I can't do it at all, all right? And I just wanna address this. We are not like, We are not ill-equipped. Like if we're, we have what we need. And some things aren't learned in settings like this. They're learned when you go and try it. And so any questions that you're wrestling with, any tensions that you're feeling, work them out, out there. Like don't expect this to be the place that always gives you like the perfect multivitamin to fix the symptom. Like expect this to be a place where we send each other out. But God is with us. The Holy Spirit is in us. He will help us. Us, all right? So, any fears, any tensions, I I think that's just the enemy. God will, um, he'll take care of us, he'll have our back. But I would like for us to flesh this out. I'd like for us to think about, man, what are some reasons that we've often told ourselves why it's not time to step into discipleship? Why this is just not for us. This might be insecurity, this might be uh, fear, Uh, this might be I'm just too busy. It can be anything across the spectrum, but just go ahead and share with one another, what are some reasons you've told yourself, it's just not time for me to be looking for this right now? So go ahead and share. Um, And you can be honest and vulnerable, all right? I've been all over the spectrum as to why I wasn't doing these things. All right, I'm gonna bring us back. Again, I know that at times I'm interrupting really good conversation. I apologize. Um, Grab lunch later, flesh it out more. I think this conversation is is so fruitful. one thing before I dig into the kind of how we're going to conclude this conversation that someone brought up to me was, you know, what if you're just like introverted, right? Discipleship can inevitably feel like an extroverted conversation. So I know guys, and I can sometimes be this guy, uh, that have like a lot of friends and they're with all of them all the time and they're discipling and they're married and then it's just like, how do you do people that much? It's awful and sounds terrible. And um, I would just remind us of like First Corinthians 12, that talks about the spiritual gifts and the gifts of the church and uh, Ephesians 2, 10, that says there's good works prepared for you beforehand. Um, so just reminding us that God is um, pretty clear in scripture that each of us is different, that we function together powerfully, um, but individually we're different for good reasons, that he has specific works for us. And so any pressure that doesn't feel like it's coming from like scripture, or like is a command of God, um, Just check the root of that pressure. If it's fear of being insufficient, not doing good enough, it's like, hey, we know that's not scripture. That's anti-scripture. The conversation was never about us being good enough. It was, oh, no, we weren't. And then Jesus said something about it, and he did something about it, and he made us friends with God. So just check the root of things. And if you're going, look, I've got like one or two friends, and that's like where I'm really trying to dive into, I would say dive into that. Hard disciple them. That's awesome. Like, it, start with your friends. That's a great place to start. Um, I believe that as we get to know God more and more, the gospel can't help but work itself out. It will every time. And so, discipling friends is an amazing place to start. So, um, any pressure we feel on this conversation, except for the pressure of "I told you to do this" because it's really important to my heart from God, right? Any other pressure, I, I would really check the root of it, right? Don't let unhealthy things and you know just false narratives. Uh, just watch out for those. Um, so how do we do this? Um, you know, we've all these things fall under the how, but like kind of the the last big how we do this with prayer, with the Holy Spirit and with community. Um, I've just seen community be really helpful. So as things are terrible and boring, or it's just not going well, talk with your community, like talk with someone, talk to me. I'd love to problem solve with you. Don't feel like you're stranded on an island. Um, discipleship can be sloppy and boring and feel like it's failing. Um, I literally, uh, Leah and I, We've been married for like eight months and it's been amazing. And both of us have been like thinking about who we're going to disciple and what it looks like. And as she was discipling someone, um, she set out to, they both like really got fired up about reading scripture and which is amazing. Right. And so every week they decided that for our whole time together, we're going to read the book of Romans and dig in there. And if you don't know about the book of Romans, um, it is extremely dense, It's extremely theological. And so it went from, Hey, we're going to read Romans to Hey, we hanging out Wednesday? Okay, great. Can't wait to see you. Uh, Romans. Uh, you know, it's just no good, right? And uh, I just want to say that's the most normal thing ever. And, and then uh, the person's in grad school and they got really busy and they couldn't see each other and now they don't really hang out and maybe they will, but they're still good friends, but hopefully they get to hang out more later, right? But that's, that moment is not a failure, right? We're not trying to be perfect disciples right now. We're trying to grow as disciples for a lifetime. In 10 years, that is just one of many examples that will form Leah into an effective and well-informed disciple. Like, it's an amazing thing. She learned, I probably won't weekly sit through Romans at this point in my life like we'll probably do some scripture we'll do some prayer we'll have some fun like she's learning that's literally always the deal here. And we've talked together and brainstormed. And that's been really helpful when we've talked together on what it looks like, right? And so I would just encourage you, um, embrace the sloppy moments, embrace the weird vibes, embrace the, I don't know if we're gonna keep meeting up. (laughs) This is not going well. Uh, You know, that's all good. And if you stop meeting up, great, keep going. God, what's next? How are you growing me? What are you teaching me? Okay, Um, so prayer, Holy Spirit, and community. Talk with people about this. Um, You're not on an island. Um, Also do this with patience, and persistence and faith. Like, be patient with this, keep at it, trust God in this. The like, phrase that always comes to my mind when I'm discipling someone and it feels like it's just an uphill climb and the car's barely even starting in the first place is the phrase, keep swimming, just keep swimming. Like, is that a weird thing? Is it? Is that from fighting? <laughs> a guy told me that phrase and I was like, whoa. That's so true. That's the phrase that you wanted me to say? Um, Well, that movie's amazing. So I think we all know it's from the Lord. Um, But uh, I was going to go into this image that I had in my head that's all beautiful to me, but now I don't want to because I'm like, oh, it's Finding Nemo. All right keep swimming. Can I keep going? (laughs) Um, But I've just seen that there's moments where it's like, is this working? But I keep going. And the moments of like harvest, when you just keep laboring, we'll change it to laboring, um, keep trying, the moments of harvest are unbelievable. In this recent season of my life, I've been in a moment of harvest where I've seen so much fruit from years of like praying and trying and not doing great and sometimes thinking I'm doing all right. And I've seen, I've just been in a season where I'm seeing so much fruit everywhere, and I've just been giddy about it. I'm like, I can't believe there's all these really awesome things are happening. But there was year stretches where I was like, I don't really know if this is working, but I'm just going to keep trying. And so I would encourage us, like, keep trying at this. Don't see yourself as needing to be perfect right now. See yourself as in a lifetime process with a God who works over time, okay? Um, All right, so we're going to go to Communion. Um, don't think about finding Nemo unless it helps. Um, but as we go to communion, um, we're going to do this individually. So, real quick, I invite you just to put your chairs back to where they were, get back in rows, and I'll give us some instruction. We'll go into worship, and uh, we'll go. We'll go with the rest of our day. It's the Bill, can you give this to Bill? He's doing the slides. <laughs> Man, that was so good. Everyone started laughing and I was like, oh, okay. I thought I said something inappropriate. I was so nervous. I was like, was that inappropriate? What does keep swimming mean? Um, But it just means, it sounds like it's a good movie and good thing. All right. So you can be seated for this part. Um, All right. So over communion, we're going to do this individually, okay? And here's what I want you to do very simply. I want you just to pray and, and dream with the Lord for a little bit. And I don't mean dream like really lofty, like Dream with God. I mean, like, think with God, brainstorm with the Lord, um, and just pray, hey, who are my one, two, three people that God's put in my life that I want to disciple? And immediately when I say that, you're gonna go either, man, I got a lot of people, I don't know how to decide, or I don't have anybody right now. And all of that is totally okay, all right? So as you're praying, um, if you're going, I'm trying to choose from a lot, just pray, God, will you just make it obvious to me who I need to really go deeper with, right? Right? Um, Help me discern that. But also, if you're going, I don't have anybody, Leah and I, we have said that to each other a few times just in the past eight months. And no kidding, as we've prayed together, it, it just, it always works out. It just, I really think God answers those prayers. He's on the side of a heart that wants to help others know Jesus. And so pray about it and then be patient and just keep open eyes. Pray with faith, because as we pray, and we go, God, who is it? Will you show me? Will you bring someone into my life maybe that I don't even know yet? And then just walk with open eyes. And I do believe that God, he will... He'll let you in on that. He'll show you what's going on, okay? So over communion, on your own, begin just praying and and just follow the Holy Spirit, okay? Um, So if you have any questions or want prayer, come see me, I'll be in the back, I'd love to talk. Um, But let's stand together. You can dismiss towards the middle. There's communion in all four corners of the room. So dismiss toward the middle. If you're closer to the front, come to the front. If you're closer to the back, go to the back. Um, Take communion and begin praying. Just God, will you help me? Like, this is it. This is the Great Commission. Help me live into it who are my people? Help me not to be scared. Pray against fear. Pray against tensions. Pray against selfishness. Pray against whatever it needs to be. Um, I'm going to pray as you go get communion. Don't feel weird. Keep moving. You're good. God, thank you for uh, your Holy Spirit. Will you help us to be a church that makes disciples? Help all the false narratives and all the wrong tensions and the pressure points that aren't from you to be um, exposed for what they are. Um, Just lies and deceit and not real. And so God, will you help us just to to run with you, to explore with you. You are with us. You said that. I will be with you, not just go and do it and come back, like go and do it, and I will join you in that. Thank you for proving that in the cross, in the empty tomb. As we take communion, we remember that you died for us and resurrected, and that you've promised your presence on our life. And so, yeah, as we brainstorm, as we pray with you, Lord, will you just lead us, Holy Spirit, move.